Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And today I'm discussing the inner child's experience of codependency. So I want to talk today about something that can be really delicate, but really, really important. And it's one of those pieces that once I connected this for myself, it became easier, not that it's easy, to learn how to truly take care of myself. And it helped me open up to exactly what I was doing to heal my inner child. It helped motivate me to work on codependency. In a very recent live stream on our Patreon, we've talked a lot about grief. And believe it or not, codependency is something that we grieve. So there's so much around codependency and our inner children as highly sensitive people, as empaths, as survivors of childhood trauma. So I'm hoping that this episode helps connect some dots. And I hope it's not too messy and gives you what you need to take care of yourself on a deeper level and to simplify your healing, to get the healing vibes that you want in mind, body, and spirit out of your healing efforts. So a newer definition of codependency is that it's a lack of self-love. You know, as a recovering codependent, in my early years, I gave all of my empathy away, all of it. I thought that was the right thing to do. It was part of how I was programmed, though I know no one around me was intentionally trying to program. It's just that we get programmed with whatever messaging is enforced around us. As children, we're being programmed and have no idea that we're being programmed. Even as adults, not just children, even as adults, we are a population that is suggestible. Now, if you study hypnosis, and I'm not a hypnosis practitioner, but I have studied it a lot to understand it and to use certain elements of it for myself and in my work with clients. But one of the things that I learned studying hypnosis is that even each adult is suggestible. That's the term. And that has nothing to do with how intelligent you are. 
It has to do with how your subconscious receives a message. Some of us are just more suggestible. I really saw this in action years ago when I went to my first hypnosis show. Now, this wasn't healing hypnosis. This was a funny, ha-ha, sort of ridiculous hypnosis show. And if you've never been to one of those and you get a chance as a sensitive person, I highly recommend it. It fascinated me to look around the room in the audience and to see adults nodding out. You could see in the room who was more suggestible because they were going under hypnosis and other people were not. So in healing work, in development work, we start to become more mindful about the messages that we were around present day and the messages that programmed us and shaped us as children who have shaped us into who we are and how we behave. Mindfulness is the tool that we use to watch and witness ourselves, our own patterns, our own desires, our own impulses, our own resistance, so that we can see exactly where we want to lean in, change, grow ourselves, and develop. Most of this audience, I believe, would identify as a seeker. I believe part of our seeking desire comes from an innate insight. As a counselor, insight is one of those things that I cannot teach to you. I can teach aspects of insight, but if you don't have the natural ability to see inwardly, to observe yourself, it's pretty impossible to teach that or to pick that up. There tends to be little to no motivation to learn insight if you don't already feel a certain amount of insight. And insight is in sight. It's sight into yourself, sight into how we relate internally and externally. In dysfunctional family systems, most players do not know how to take appropriate responsibility for themselves, for their behaviors, for how they feel, for how they show up, for the energy that they bring into the room. People who don't grow up and out of their own personal dysfunction from a place of wanting to seek betterment They don't necessarily know that taking responsibility is how we practice ownership over our lives. So those of us who grow up in those family systems where responsibility is sort of like a beach ball that's being tossed around never to hit the ground. Nobody wants to really grab the ball. It's a game of tap the ball over to the next person. Nobody really grabs it or holds it. What happens to a highly sensitive child in a dysfunctional family system during development is that we tend to pick up on, especially little empaths, we tend to pick up on the fact that nobody's really holding responsibility. The grownups are not holding responsibility. So on a subconscious level, not on a conscious level, it's as if we know this. If I use I statements to describe this, it's as if I knew this as a child and I had this brilliant idea. It was brilliant for my age, but it wasn't so brilliant for the bigger picture of my life. But it was brilliant for those little moments. And anybody who does this, it's a certain amount of brilliance because it's how we survive a dysfunctional, chaotic family system. So my brilliant little HSP idea was, ooh, on a subconscious level again, not a conscious thought. The subconscious idea was, ooh, I know how I will be valuable and worthy in this family system. 
I will be the responsible one. I will be the fixer. I will be the caretaker. I will step in whenever anyone needs me. And that got reinforced for me as it has been reinforced for so many of you who grew up in chaos. We tend to grow up believing that people-pleasing and over-functioning for others is the way that we gain love, appreciation. We might not even get seen at all or noticed in family systems until we show up as a helper to help somebody else. So it becomes how we get seen, how we feel special, how we feel valuable. It's how we calculate our worth. And in a family system where soft place to fall, softness, love, affection, encouragement, joy, happiness, high-fiving each other's successes, in a system where that is not known, allowed, practiced, or invited, it's very brilliant, spectacularly brilliant, that a little being could figure out a way to feel worthy. So I'm not mad that I figured out the best way I could possibly survive and try to get some emotional needs met. I'm actually grateful that my inner child figured that out. I can look back and see, wow, I naturally was a little helper. I had that spirit in me and I was trying to figure out how to get my needs met. Thank you, younger self. But as we grow up, As we start to live our grown-up lives, as we start to work or create families of our own, we tend to bring this type of codependent over-functioning for others forward. And we bring it into every realm because this is how we've learned to feel worthy. This is how we've learned to feel productive and capable, valued by other people. It's how we ensure that other people need us so we can't be abandoned. At least that's what we think, even though it doesn't necessarily work and pay off that way, people can still leave no matter how codependent we are. But that's the thinking, the internal belief, the subconscious programming that comes forward with us until we're facing this dynamic and doing different work and doing our work to be able to let go of this type of dysfunctional caretaking, this over caretaking, this over functioning of others, giving all of our big empathy caretaking away. So what I wanted to do today was put language to this for you. So I'm going to speak as the collective voice of the inner child. I'm going to try to put language to the experience of how the inner child witnesses the codependent behaviors of the adult self, the overfunctioning, the showing up for others. You're going to hear me speak in absolutes, all or nothing, which is something I often advise not to do. So why am I going to do that? Because as children, we don't have enough experience. We don't have enough brain power. We don't have enough comprehension. We can't hold an idea of a bigger picture. And so as children, we tend to process in absolutes, always, nothing, extremes. So I'm going to speak this way because I'm speaking from the perspective of the inner child. Because this is about how the inner child feels, what their perception is. So the inner child, my inner child, if she were to see me acting very codependently, would sound like this. I don't like this. I don't like how this feels. Why does everybody else get all of you? 
I don't like watching you show up for everybody else, no matter what. You always say yes to what everybody else wants to do. They never get a no. Doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how hard you worked. It doesn't matter how many other things we have to do that day. I don't like that. It makes me feel sad and angry and lost. I don't think I'm very important to you. Everyone else is important. When I was little, mom and dad didn't think I was important. And you don't think I'm important either. I never get to be important. I always get the short end of the stick. Is there ever going to be a time when I count or I matter? Will anyone care for me and hold me? I need a safe place to fall. I need you to be my safe place to fall. On the healing journey, part of the process is to learn how to see these things, acknowledge these things. And part of the acknowledgement is apologizing to our inner children. I was so sad when I first realized this. It's a hard thing to realize. I was programmed this way, and it's the only way I've known to be. And I thought it was the right way to be, the good way to be. I thought I was being a good person. It's very sad to realize that I continued this codependent dysfunction well after I was away from the bulk of the codependent system because it had become me. It was inside of me. And really, there was no way I could have known any different. So I've done work to apologize and own that for my inner child and to commit to her that I will help her feel important, that she is important to me, that she has always been important. And I work to honor my grown-up self and my little girl every day of my life. Now, at first in my healing, that was very mindful, very intentional, and took a lot of energy. Now it's easy. It's natural. It's just my way of being. And if you're early in the healing journey, I want you to know that you can get there too And that most of my life, I felt very strongly that it was impossible for me to get to that kind of peace, that kind of self-care. So don't let that kind of disbelief, just because you've never seen it before or experienced it, don't let a disbelief be a proof that you can't get to a healed place. Those of you with suicidal ideation, often I believe that this is why, as highly sensitive people, because what is an inner child to do? As he or she feels so desperate to be seen and heard after a lifetime of not being appropriately seen and heard or shamed and dismissed. How is an inner child supposed to feel? How is our inner psyche supposed to handle recognizing that childhood had to be about everybody else and us not getting our needs met? And then here grown up self is still doing that is attending to everybody else, work, school, everything that everybody else needs, every requirement. And the inner child, the inner psyche, the deeper self just gets the scraps, if anything at all. This can be the source of tremendous desperation, confusion, heartache, pain, grief. In my work with individuals, often when we get to this piece Once we do this piece of, oh, I really get how I have to talk to my inner child. 
I really get and understand and embrace that I have to cultivate the soft place to fall. I have to be that for me. I cannot live a productive life, a healthy life, a life that breaks the cycles of dysfunction. If I am giving all of myself, all of my empathy, even most of myself or most of my empathy away, I must retain some of that for myself. Does this connect for you in the way that I'm describing it? That if we can't acknowledge this and learn to hold space for ourselves in a way that is truly and deeply self-loving and self-respecting, really seeing yourself, listening, attending to, being kind, gentle, working to eliminate the critical voice, that this sort of desperation would build into suicidal ideation And then sadly and tragically, if it continues to build into suicidal action. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. I'm going to share a little extra that might seem like it's out of left field, but I want to talk a little bit about pregnancy in this episode. Now, certainly there's all kinds of hormonal changes happening, and certainly there can be multiple things at play when we think about postpartum. But I do want to talk about this psychological piece that I have seen and worked with in my career for over a decade with women. You HSPs out there that are wondering, do I have children? Do I not have children? What's right for me? This is something that I believe if we understand it before we walk a path of having children, we can fortify ourselves against postpartum. That might be a controversial thing to say, especially within medical community that deals in an illness model. I don't deal in an illness model. I deal in a wellness model and prevention. So how does this relate to pregnancy? Well, if you were parentified, if you had to be a little adult as a child, especially if you had to caretake younger siblings or parent your own parents, if you have a pregnancy and a child before learning to attend to your inner child, what can happen psychologically is exactly what I described earlier. I just didn't describe it about pregnancy. I described it about inner child and giving it away to other people. If your inner child sees you go from parenting and giving to everybody else without giving to yourself, and then you have a child, that inner child can be very sad and feel very, very desperate and depressed because that child winds up representing I can never have it be about me. I'm not going to be able to get my needs met. 
That is the type of depression that I have seen in HSP women who have not done inner child work, who come from very dysfunctional family systems and have children before they're able to do a good bit of work. Now, if you're hearing that and you're like, oh my gosh, I am pregnant or I'm about to get pregnant or I already have one and I have done this, don't panic. There's nothing to panic about. This is good stuff to know because even if you have a brand new baby right now, as you hold space for that baby, you can also hold space for your inner child. You can invite that work as if you're nursing and caretaking and holding and rocking little you and that new baby. When you make the decision to become a parent as an HSP, especially after childhood trauma, you can use the opportunities that your children present to help cue you, to help show you as you give to them. Because remember, you're good at giving it away as a codependent. We are good at giving it away. So lots of you are excellent parents to your physical children. And really, all you have to do is retain a lot, give some of that energy to your own inner child. When I do this work with women, I have seen it over and over and over again, take care of or fortify against potential postpartum. So I hope this episode connected the dots and I hope this is just another little piece that helps you understand what this inner child stuff is. That it's not kooky, it's not crazy, it's not hokey. It is us actually figuring out exactly how to reparent our wounds, how to fill in our voids. And that's just good human work at a base level because no parents can give their children 100% of everything that they need. And some families and parents give children too much and we must figure out how to appropriately even give ourselves less. So the inner child work that each of us needs to do is very nuanced and different. A lot like ourselves, you know, as a human tribe, all of us are very similar. We're not really unique. And yet, here's the paradox. All of us are special and unique. So there's lots of similarity in the work that we need to do. And there's also lots of specific nuance to some of this work. So in this episode and all episodes and everything that I do, remember to take what works for you and leave the rest. If my work resonates with you, if you want to hear me talk more about inner child and boundaries in the boundaries course, I tie in inner child work into the boundaries course. We're getting close. We're going to blink and it's going to be here. So if you want to use the early bird code before the discount ends at the end of this month, September 2021, use code earlybird 21 to save $100 off the full price of the course. It'll make the course $350 or you can purchase a very affordable payment plan. We have some payment plan options. It is a commitment to myself that I made a long time ago, years before the show, that it was important to me to figure out how to bring this healing work to as many people as possible. This is a course that's going to be like a big college classroom online, and that helps me keep the cost of the course down. It is my favorite thing to teach. 
so far, this will be my sixth year teaching it. I love doing it every year. Come find out more or sign up and reserve your spot at emotionalbadass.com backslash boundaries. I want to thank those of you who take your precious time to get on iTunes and write us a five-star review. If you haven't done that and you're a listener of the show, we very much request that you take a moment and help support the show by giving us a five-star review. That really is the thing that works that funky iTunes algorithm that nobody really understands to be able to have the show suggested to more and more people. So when you do that with your time and your energy, it's not that I my ego needs the five-star review. It's that that really makes the algorithm share the show with more and more and more people. And as I speak on controversial topics and really challenge people to put down their anger, I am so, so grateful for those five-star reviews because it really helps combat the angry reviews that we get. So thank you so much. I want to thank 24-year-old Optimist who wrote a review saying, so grateful I found this podcast. Love it so much. You have the most amazing and soothing voice. Thank you so much. That always strikes me when someone says that to me. Little tiny nugget of my history is that my mother used to make fun of my voice. I've done tons of things to work on being able to find my voice in front of people. It used to shake. I used to sweat and get dripping wet sweat if I had to speak in front of anyone. And I really spent most of the years of my life thinking I had a horrible voice that sounded terrible and nasally and grinding to people instead of pleasant. So there's so much when you start sharing yourself in an authentic way, not just in a podcast form, but just in your life and in the world. Because when you do, people like 24-year-old optimist might show up and tell you something that just connects with your heart, connects with a message that you didn't even know you needed. You didn't really need it. It just adds a little bit of oomph to your work. In this way, we are supports for each other. We are social tribal creatures. And while it's all of our responsibilities to take care of ourselves, to do our own healing work, to rally and find resilience when life sends waves of struggle, of chaos, of trauma, we can also receive from each other. So thank you so much. I want to thank Miss DL. They say thank you. I'm not one for listening to these things, but I'm so happy I did. It's just what I needed. So happy I stumbled onto this. Thank you. Well, I am honored that you don't listen to podcasts and you're listening to mine. Thank you so much. I hope it helps. I want to thank lovely Chaos, K-A-E-O-S. They say contagious courage. Nikki, you are appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate y'all out there listening and sharing it. I admire your courage and your passion. I have been able to apply so many positive changes to my life since I started listening to your podcast. Thank you for making me feel understood for the first time in my life. It's very considerate for you to create short episodes for the convenience of your listeners. For what it's worth, I vote longer episodes. <laughs> she says, I can be nourished with Nikki knowledge all day. Thank you so very much. And for those of you who do want a little bit even more of me, we do have the hour live streams once a month on our Patreon. So that's a whole hour of me just going on and on and on. I want to thank 
Jacqueline, she says, I've been looking for a solution for an answer to my pain and emotions. So my head is constantly trying to make sense of every problem and how things got to that point. It's been exhausting and blaming myself and looking for an answer. Jacqueline, I'm so grateful that you found the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being the change in the world. I want to thank Brandy Raimundo. They say empowering. I love this podcast. Your voice is so gentle. Oh my goodness, you guys, thank you for affirming my voice. I appreciate you. Your views are so non-judgmental. You give hope to all us Southern girls. Hello, Southern girls who are out there. I would love to do what you do, Nikki, from Mobile, Alabama, your neighbor, Brandy. Well, hey to the Southern girls that are out there listening. Thank you, Brandy. And that reminds me, all of you who are struggling with Hurricane Ida, we are working behind the scenes to make our next Patreon pay it forward. Give to people who are suffering and recovering from Hurricane Ida. I am a New Orleans native and I send light and love out to all of you. I'll read one more. I want to thank WL729. They say, great spirit. Occasionally, God allows a kind spirit. Ooh, let me try again. Occasionally, God allows a kind spirit to grace our presence. You are that spirit. Stay blessed and continue to be used. You are helping a lot of souls out here. Much love. Much love back at you. I feel it. I feel the support. I feel the love. I see it in Patreon. I feel the hard work every year when I teach the boundaries course. Y'all, we are a powerful tribe. Lots of us may be in lots of pain. We might have had periods in our life with bad behavior. Coming out of our trauma, out of us not knowing what the hell to do, how to be a person. HSPs, sensitive souls, empath survivors. Healing helps us learn to honor our kind spirit. I very much believe every human is born with the intention of kindness. It's kind of like coming back home. Thank you all so much. So much. I'm so glad that I share the planet with you. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love and oh yeah, I will have a very special meditation that I'm very excited about for your inner child where you get to pretend that you swim like a mermaid. That'll be coming out soon. So look for that light and love. And I will see you next time right here. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.